0: H.P. Lovecraft has a huge reputation in the shadowy world where horror, fantasy, and science fiction blend. His work has inspired games, movies, and fiction with its strange mythos of ancient terrors and all-powerful alien beings. But is the writing any good? Do the original stories stand up to a modern reading? My guest hosts and I packed up our rickety aeroplanes with 20 sled dogs, 375 pounds of twine, and enough sheafs of paper to map the labyrinths of Antarctica so that we could go to the source material and see if Lovecraft stands the test of Nefanda's time. Pop open some Sierra Blanca beer and let's take a trip to the South Pole. It's time for episode 49 of Toasting the Classics at the Mountains of Madness. Welcome to Toasting the Classics, the podcast where we... Can you, guys, can you guys do the opening at all? Have you heard it a couple times? A podcast of times?
1: where one of us picks a piece of media, we drink something alcoholic related to that media, and the people that didn't pick decide whether it's a classic. Who's on record this time as having picked the thing? Because it seemed
0: like sort of a consensus.
1: Okay, so that, that intro probably works better if there are three people involved. <laughs> oh, hi, by the way, my name is Chris.
0: Yeah, we got, guests, we got guest toast again this week. Say hi, everybody. Tell everybody who you are.
1: Hey, my name's I'm- Chris Gregg, last seen on Shape of Water, along with...
2: Yep, along with uh, Joe Glacius, same. This is, uh, I believe, my three-peat uh, guest appearance.
1: That's right, we got Fast and the Furious, Shape of
0: Water, and now we got this one, um, which we haven't even told everybody what it is yet. But I'm Dave MacArthur, as always. Um, I'm probably the one constant, the rock upon which toasting the classics is built
2: the hideous cyclopean edifice upon which this podcast is built
0: yes yes <laughs> cyclopean. cyclopean is is an adjective i'd like to talk about at some point i'm not sure. i'm not sure that he that that's a word he keeps using <laughs> the word and i'm
2: not sure that it means what he thinks it means Wait, we're gonna we're gonna start talking about lovecraft's
0: addiction we, we we are gonna be running long we're gonna be here for a long time we start talking about his prose that's true so we're doing hp lovecraft we sort of talked about General Lovecraft, which I imagine this is going to get into the general mm-hmm. you know, Lovecraftian mythos. But uh, what are we doing? What's the what's the work this time?
2: At the Mountains of Madness, one of I think like two or three, of his uh, novellas. You know, he was mostly a short story
0: guy. Yeah, published originally in is it Astounding Tales?
1: I thought it was yeah. rejected for uh, Outstanding Tales because was, of length.
0: It was rejected for Weird Tales. I, oh, okay. I, I okay. didn't. I didn't see why it was rejected from Weird Tales, but I think eventually, it was published in 1936 in Astounding Tales, and, and it was like multiple months. I guess it must have been with this length. It was how how long was you guys' version of it?
2: That was actually a version. Uh, a question I was curious to ask, given that this is in the public domain, so I was kind of curious what
1: uh, in what formats we were reading this. Yeah, I had 135 pages on the uh, iTunes bookstore. Mm-hmm. i
0: think 135 pages feels better than what i because mine was about about 90 but it's this anthology it's mm-hmm. one of the, like barnes and noble anthologies where there's like a lot of words crammed on each page so i was feeling like one page was taking me longer than my usual so i was pretty mm-hmm. sure it was more like like you said like 120 130 something very like that. reasonable in that yeah.
1: uh, that dense anthology yeah.
2: i checked out the a uh, copy from the library of the modern library uh, edition, which, oh, nice. comes to, uh, which comes to which comes to ninety eight pages, not including a a, a foreword by China Miaville and uh, in the I back of reprint and and a in the back of reprint of his uh, supernatural horror and literature prose overview, kind of like kind of like that one book Stephen King did that one time, Down's Macabre. So, uh, Joe,
1: did you recommend this one based on our last movie?
2: I, I, I think we've been meaning to get to Lovecraft for a while. Um, and the uh, Shape of Water was kind of a good lead-in, although not really thematically, uh, di- you know, di- directly thematically connected. Like you know, the Shadow over Insmith would have been a, a more directly than. Although there's yeah. some there's some aquatic content in this one as well. There is some I was I was thinking content. about
1: that uh, because of the the uh, Guillermo del Toro attempt to make Mountains of Madness with Tom Cruise that. as the lead. I saw that. I was,
0: thinking, and, I was thinking this would make a cool movie, and then I was thinking. It's been done and it was done as the thing pretty much.
2: Yes. I was going to say that. Yeah. I was going to say that. Yeah. The the thing is like such a strong homage to this book that they even like name check, like the same, like a base of McMurdo sound, like in the mountains of madness. And that is exactly where the base is in the thing.
0: Yeah. I don't, I don't remember if they do it so much in the John Carpenter version, but in the fifties version of the thing, the Mm -hmm. monster is explicitly like a vegetable monster. And I was like, "That's also from this." Like, that's that's I think like a nod to these these. Creatures. Well,
2: well, there's also two different beasts in this book. Whereas, like, I think the you
0: know at the, least uh, two, at least two. I think we've got a
1: arguably, a arguably
2: three. Yeah,
0: I think there's Yog Sothoth. What, what is the what is it? Is that Shag- right? Yog Yes, not to be confused with Sothoth,
2: which is a different nonsense
0: word. Nonsense. No, Yog Yog Sothoth is mentioned at the end as being the creatures that the, the creature that lives on the giant mountains that Mm -hmm. like even the elders are afraid to go to the, well, anyway, yeah gonna, yeah we yeah we need some structure here because yeah wait, there are wait, a lot wait. of things
2: to, to, to talk about here so I guess, who, who, I guess... wants
0: to, who wants to wade hopelessly into the attempt at coming up with a uh, with a synopsis because well, this is just a minefield for us every
2: time uh, well, you know what I, I i I do have a synopsis which I think is accurate but not very flattering, but it'll probably get us talking at least, which is i would I would uh, synopsize this book as the world's most tedious man describes the scariest thing he's ever seen. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. There is a there, this is this is a, this is a story of an Arctic expedition that finds like it, uh, this is kind of a dungeon crawl, really. Like we're we're um, right. uh, yeah, the, yeah. An Arctic expedition that finds like a, um a way more interesting thing that they were looking for uh, to their ultimate detriment. Um, but yeah there is just so like i found the first half of this actually really hard going like there is just a tremendous amount of frankly numbing description of like the 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 sheer mundanity of like just describing their provisions and like their, their the like the details of the journey and the camps they set up and that's that's like 50 it's basically 50 pages or so until yeah. like anything out of the ordinary happens
0: i I, to- I totally agree and i also think that that's totally on purpose i think he was trying to be He's trying to like write a version of one of these National Geographic expeditions, or like Shackleton or Bird or something like that. Yeah, who, who
2: of course gets name checked. Yeah, there's right. there's a
0: certain there's there's a, there's a
2: certain like kind of te- like um uh, techno thriller a- like vintage techno thriller aspect. Yeah. Like like Moby Dick is like full of like that same kind of like jargon and yeah. and, and like um descriptive stuff and like Dracula is too
0: um but yeah dracula totally is I, but dracula is more effective dracula i think is Dr- oh, oh not, absolutely does not absolutely. does not drag like this does no. but but i think there was a place for that kind of writing back then because people couldn't uh, they couldn't well it's also watch re- much re- a documentary you know they i think they actually would be fascinated by those kinds of details you know they would have been say like that but let's all, but you say that but let's also remember that lovecraft had trouble
2: getting this published
0: right no i'm, I'm sorry a certain kind of person would have been fascinated by these sorts of details. Mm -hmm. Not, not everybody. This (laughs) Mm -hmm. this wouldn't have been scintillating read for everybody, but so, yeah. So, I mean, that's a a tongue in cheek version of this, of, of what the plot is, but Mm -hmm. basically, basically what it is is it's an Antarctic expedition Mm -hmm. that, you know, goes into the wilds of the unexplored regions of Antarctica at the time, which would have been true in the 1930s when this story was Mm -hmm. written. There would have been great big gaps in the map he could say oh there's a 20,000 foot mountain range in the middle of the mm-hmm. continent and everybody wouldn't just say no there isn't what are you talking about yeah you know?
2: yeah and like in, in fairness to lovecraft like there is a the you know the popular just you know conception of his work is just you know spooky demon tentacles everywhere but like within his body of work he does have like several distinct strands and this is like this is probably as close to like pure sci-fi as he gets like the, yeah. like' it's, it's definitely a much more um you know, like purely science fictional, like exploration of premises, um, than you know than some of his other stories, which are much more purely like you know about like witches and devils.
0: I was wondering that about the the monsters in this story. Mm. Are they magic, or are they just aliens? Uh, pretty the-
1: clearly, just aliens. Doesn't he get into that? At one I point. think
0: so. Yeah. I think so. But he does mention that they that they he thinks they they come from another universe so this so, is
2: the other thing that yeah, so this is the other conversational branch I saw coming which is that when they you know they discover the you know the lost ruined city of the old ones it's, it's from you know beyond the dawn of time from beyond mankind um, but then like he but then um, um we get a surprisingly in-depth description of like the history of their civilization on earth uh, and a lot of like the broader like you know, you know you know what is called you know the Cthulhu mythos is invoked Show, you know Cthulhu shows up you know the amigo slash guy from yoggoth show up like they're you know like it's, it's almost like a, like a dark tower situation of, you know where, the, where this story is like a nexus of like a bunch of his disparate it's
0: like the lovecraft annual but like all of the all, everybody appears in, in one issue you know mm-hmm. it, am,
1: so. am i mistaken to believe that the big reveal in this is that humans were created by the elder ones
2: they
0: mentioned mention that life on earth might have been created by the elder ones but I don't there think it doesn't. no the, the, um there is so
2: and again like an, a, another another thing uh, another thing about this book and like lovecraft style in general is like the 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 ways he chooses to e- to emphasize things and what things um and that like he does he does mention like it, it's fairly explicit that um that mankind was created by the old ones but yeah. it's kind of brought up in passing there's a there, I'm just I, I really we should have taken a note on this specific page but there's a specific but there's a specific mention of uh, essentially like you know proto hominids were used as as a uh, as like labor food and sometimes just like
1: amusing pets entertainment yeah yes
0: oh humans yeah they mentioned that about Different beasts of burden and things like that. Like, uh, And I, I
1: think they do mention that all life on, on Earth was created by so. the Elder Ones. So they, yes, yes. Maybe they early in their civilization, when they were more technologically advanced, they were able to turn inorganic matter into life.
2: Yeah, the, the interesting bit is also both deliberate and um, accidental, and that, like, you know, the, the Shagats, which you mentioned passing before, were a deliberate uh, creation. But, like, life on Earth in general is just kind of like basically it's like they left a the sandwich out and they got kind of moldy. And eventually they were like, yeah, yeah you. you know what? This
0: mold's all right. Maybe we can do something with that. Uh, It's sort of an accidental uh, creation of life on earth. Mm -hmm. Like blue
1: cheese. Yeah. Yeah,
0: Exactly. Or (laughs) penicillin. I have a note here about his writing. I I just said the prose (laughs) so thick. (laughs) I was thinking like, this is 1936, right? Like, Hemingway was writing at this time. I was specifically thinking that like, I book. need that. Like I was having like a
2: specific, like hunger for Hemingway. Yes. as like an antidote yes. to the yes. to prose. And I
0: think that's the, this is just the way everyone wrote at the turn of the century. And for <sighs> and a while after, and I think Hemingway changed the way people expect an, an American sentence to be written. Basically. It's just like for,
1: for, for much the better
0: for much the better. Yes, absolutely. And because it's just unbearable sometimes you look, everything's like oblique with extra words, you know, in such a way as I might be able to, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like everything's like circumlocution, and it's just very, yeah. you know, very. He's, he's,
1: he's clearly very intelligent, but he also really wants oh, yes. to tell everyone else how intelligent he is.
0: Yes, and is
2: also, and he also has his own extremely peculiar biases, by which I'm not meaning the obvious, but like, so did did the way did the the way he insists on spelling show jump out at you guys? He never it says worked. something was shown or, 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 or like with an O. He's, he insists on spelling with an E, like a deliberate archaism. And I'm like, why would why would a geologist be like in love with this particular
0: rhetorical Philip? Now Um, I noticed he spells fantasy with a ph. Yes, right,
1: that that kind of thing. Exactly. Yes. Aereo Yeah. Well, maybe it just had not been settled yet.
2: Yeah, I think yeah, I think that one might be more vintage. But yeah, but but again, to, to 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 back out a little bit to the. Um, the issue of this being like the prevailing style yes and no because yes well this is like of a piece with that, with that uh, kind of style of writing it also has to be said you know, he, he is extraordinarily verbose even by those standards like yeah. I have read like a lot of Lovecraft's direct influences like people like Arthur Machen, Robert Chambers and Edgar Allan Poe himself who gets name checked like by name and like with a specific work in this book yes and, and that like took none me down of- a rabbit hole Yes, and none of them are yes. anywhere near this florid, which is saying a lot when you're talking about Poe. Yeah, yes. oh,
0: po, but Poe is it? Poe is a much better writer. In terms uh, well, of yes, I mean, yes. I would also be say better. that yes, like
2: I, I find Lovecraft very much to be like less than the sum of his influences. To be honest, um, yeah, like the the um, well, and this is another conversational rabbit hole. I don't know if we want to investigate too far, but I think it's interesting to note that Lovecraft, as we know him we kind of only know him because of the call of cthulhu role-playing game which i, did, I, which...
0: I learned about him through stephen king that's, yeah, that's yeah where... but, but yeah that's another really big king, one King yeah. was constantly referring to and even when he doesn't mention lovecraft by name which he does from time to time like mm. i just read pet cemetery not too long ago yeah yeah is there it, a piece of
2: graffiti that says like Yog Sothoth lives or something like that in that book
0: i know i, I, actually, I know that, maybe yeah. But I remember there's the bit where they go where they walk to the pet cemetery or to the not the pet cemetery, but the burial ground, the other one. Mm-hmm. And they're like going through an area where there's like what is it? What's the what's the blob creatures? Shoggoths. There's like yeah. things that are like Shoggoths, like trumping through the woods nearby. So there's a very Lovecraft feel to that. History, yeah, part, yeah.
2: History, yeah, Stephen King is a big fan and a big booster, but um, Call of Cthulhu and Chaosium in particular did a lot, even keep his work in print even, like there were several um, anthologies published by Chaosium, the makers of Call of Cthulhu, uh, and they went and they, you know, and they went and further and have even published like his influences, like that's why I read Robert Chambers, and like, you uh, know, okay. reprints published by Chaosium.
1: Well, what are you guys drinking? I have got uh, Bourbon County Stout. You now, what
0: what does that have to do with uh, this particular story? We did have some trouble coming up with an apposite drink for this one. Yep, I, know um, I, I thought about elderberry wine, but um, I was not available here. That would have been yeah. good. Um, yeah, uh,
2: I, I thought about you know the, again the obvious is H.P. Uh, Lovecraft seafood connection. We're considering doing something with clamato in it, maybe chalada, oh. but that didn't get that much traction. Yeah. Um, I wanted to honor his particular antipathy towards penguins in this book, but I couldn't <laughs> think of a good penguin. Uh, of a good penguin, is that, that what
0: you were talking about with his biases? By the way, because he just hates penguins. <laughs> he, he, does. Like, he, he calls penguins grotesque on three separate occasions in this who book. Sees a, who sees a penguin and their first thought is like, "Oh, disgusting! What a grotesque
1: creature!" No, well, to be sort of fair, catuated. they are six foot albino penguins. No,
0: he's just talking about the well, regular not penguins, not even
1: the,
2: mut- not even the mutant penguins. Like, oh, it, okay.
1: albino, uh, yeah, the mutant albino penguins, fine. That is
0: kind of that's probably kind of disgusting. But he's watching like the cute little Adelie penguins playing on the icebergs. And he's like, oh, these disgusting, foul creatures. And he starts talking about the disgusting, lazy, fat seals and like. There, there are horrid mountains, and I'm just like, what? You, what are, is this? Not only before Hemingway, but like before the Romantic movement, it just hates nature. Like, so, so like, strange he like, loves like,
1: only rocks. He's a geologist. Yeah. He's very He so, like, loves
0: rocks. He's really <laughs> so, so, rocks.
2: Yeah. so, I guess Happy Feet is another, uh, you know, Lovecraft-inspired movie. Then,
0: yes, exactly. Yeah,
2: except that March they... of the Penguins. Where are they marching to?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I for one am tremendously happy that this 1930s book focused ma- mostly on geology. Yeah, uh, because that's a science that really doesn't change much over time. And yeah, he was really impressed by this painful. theoretical
0: drill as well. He loved <laughs> well, that drill. I read something recently that was a few years before this, and it was very obvious that they had everything wrong. Oh, it was the time machine. <laughs> oh, was, oh, the, yeah. The the entire geological time scale was like wrong, and like they, they didn't know it was. And I was very impressed in this one by the 1930s that for the most part it's it's getting things right. They do mention he Largely talks a lot okay. about he talks a lot about the Comanchean time period. Yes, was I that? was going to yes. ask about that. Is that I a thing? To, I looked that up. That used to be between the Jurassic and the Cretaceous, and they just got rid of it. It doesn't exist. Okay. At the time, that was accurate. What I was That's really true. impressed by is that he talks about plate tectonics. Yeah, no, he doesn't. Yeah. He talks and, about
1: uh, continental drift, which is a different and right. discredited he, theory, he has, he has but the it wrong, led into plate tectonics. He has the was,
0: wrong mechanism. For it
1: it but, was at the time not cutting science. It was it was fringe. It, it was and like the
0: fringe science, yeah. Exactly. Kind of
1: like the the Hollow Earth theory, honestly. Yeah, yeah, I was, yeah, so
0: that's why I was I was impressed that he was talking about that because at the time that was not mm-hmm. what people believed. That wasn't yeah, until yeah. the '60s.
2: Yeah, yeah. So as I said, this is definitely like a like sci-fi like of the day.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you don't see a lot of sci-fi based in geology. Yeah. Which I, I do want.
2: To, yeah, I, before we get too far away, I do want to comment that I, I kind of love that the like the the, the Comanche, like the, the, the Comanchean era like being retired as like a, a distinct era means that we have like yeah I, I think it just that's just an interesting resonance that like this book about forbidden about like forgotten eras of history is talking about an actual era of history we that has been obliterated
0: to, a, yeah. to an extent. I think if you were doing a Cthulhu role-playing game, your geologist would definitely be talking about the Comanchean period constantly. Mm. Oh, that, for sure. Would yeah. like okay. However,
2: <laughs> I want to talk about another thing your geologist might not be talking about, which is, um, so I, a, an issue I have with the prose stylings of this book is being that this is a book being told essentially as like an uninterrupted narration in the past tense right. um, with like next to no dialogue whatsoever means that like... I I feel like it, it was basically an excuse for Lovecraft to avoid having to like Put any character work into this mm-hmm. guy, and instead just use him as a pure mouthpiece that was like, to describe his ideas. And, yeah. so, and this, especially, jumped out at me because this geologist guy who's like, "Hmm, this drill is so great. Um, you know, I, I, I love, co- <laughs> I, I love collecting core samples." Also, the in the passing. Oh man, this reminds me of that time I checked the Necronomicon out of the university library.
1: Yeah. To be fair, I don't think you could check it out. I think it's reserved list no, reading. You was, have to go into a special was, room where it's it 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 under like 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 the table.
2: It's regardless, the fact that regardless, the fact that like the only thing we know about this guy is his college major, and yet he also just like minor, and he also has like an extremely strong working knowledge of like forbidden,
0: of like forbidden and well, uh, and obscure so, like witch legends. So, would would you create a character in this setting who did not have the occult lore skill? I mean, I, your
1: sanity would probably be the better for it.
0: I, I think the we're getting right. a little too metatextual uh,
2: <laughs> when describing Lovecraft's his own soul. So yeah. We know a and lot else
1: he, about this guy. We know what he has in his pockets at all times. We know <laughs> that he specially designed the airplanes. We how know much, that he's, how much he's able to calculate longitude and latitude by himself. Yes, and, no, as a yes, matter of fact, way, we know exactly which crew members can do that. But I thought the whole the whole structure of the book,
0: like the part where, they're, where they land their plane and they go into the ruins and they're exploring, right? It's mm-hmm. pretty ominous. You know, it's, it's it's got a creepy atmosphere, but wouldn't it be a thousand times more effective if he didn't reveal that the guy survives? Yes,
1: that's like exactly what I was been, thinking. If they'd yeah. just been
0: going into those ruins and you're like, oh my God, they're going to turn the corner and run into a Shoggoth and get, and get killed. And I'd be... You wouldn't know it was going to happen. It'd be so much more tense. It's such a strange yeah, you, decision.
1: You, you don't see structure. very many horror films or or horror novels use this framing sequence for that yeah. exact reason because yeah. there is no tension in the last chapter of yeah, and he loves
2: to do this so many of his books uh, or of his work is essentially like an after action report from somebody describing sometimes to an explicit person sometimes sometimes not like just like the like the weird thing they saw
1: i, yeah, I suppose it-, it makes makes the reader feel as if it's more truthy if if it's Mm. told from a scientific angle and maybe that's what they were going for the the
2: original creepypastas
0: well it's like you said it's a framing sequence it's almost like an epistolary novel or something it's like that the Mm -hmm. the, the novella is the scientific report and the report is being done so that nobody will ever go back there and Mm-hmm. That's kind of interesting, but I really do think it cuts down on the dramatic tension
1: of the story. Like, yeah, oh, which... like you, yeah,
2: you could really easily do a rewrite of this to like actually make it into prose, as opposed to just like the the narration,
1: or just full Blair Witch it and say this is a found book and mm-hmm. we're going to share it with you, and we don't know. You could, how. Yeah,
0: you could do it as an epistolary, like as a journal. With somebody. Yeah. Call me Ishmael, some some bloodstained you know journal found in the icy wastes, you mm-hmm.
1: know. And I, I, because this did actually remind me quite a bit of the Blair Witch in a lot of ways.
0: It reminded me of a lot of things. I, I was thinking about alien and how alien, like the first one, is like they go into those ruins and there's like these there's like multiple different alien species involved in this situation. and, and oh, absolutely basically it's- finding it is just a nightmare that happens to you like it's there's nothing good about finding that.
1: so it's funny you say that because apparently the release of prometheus
0: what cut off the movie was right? what
1: killed yeah. del toro's version of the
2: mountains of madness the most recent. Mm. i thought i thought i thought it was a hobbit clash although there's no reason it
1: couldn't be both on his own fan fan side he's talked about how okay. prometheus really yeah. Yeah. Is the one that oh. did it, but I, I suspect they were really done in by the fact that they wanted to make a hundred and fifty million dollar horror movie.
0: So actually, you know, it's funny. I was down at the used bookstore here, and they like after we'd already decided to do this, and they just released this like beautiful trade paperback, or you know, uh, with these paintings up from the, at the mountains of madness. The entire book is just like. Oh. You know paintings of like the various like cyclopean Mm -hmm. architecture and stuff like that and it's really really cool looking um you guys remember barlow's guide to extraterrestrials i still have that
2: yeah yeah like there's definitely like like great old ones are definitely like depicted in that
0: yeah we all like that all my kids like everybody each kid in my family goes through a phase of like looking at barlow's guide to extraterrestrials that's a a
2: sweet book yeah the i I think we've covered like the plot of the book itself decently well like it is like it, it's it's so much travelogue that I really like I like like you said Dave like there's probably like definitely a kind of person that like would really love this kind of like exactive of uh, immersive detail but I I, I thought it was just, just much too much but then like the similar passages in Tolkien which are nowhere near as as uh, prolonged oh, are also not my favorite part oh, oh I don't know
0: I don't know I recently started reading uh, the, the Lord of the Rings trilogy with Alex and we just had to skip the first sixty pages about hobbits. I was just like, I, I was like, hey buddy, do you really want to read this? And he was like, no. And I was like, okay, I was like, let's just move on to the part of the story, like, because the lists of the, the genealogy of the hobbits and like what kind of food grows and what part of the shire and stuff. I was like, this is, I love that you have this background detail, <laughs> but I really don't need to read it. Like, yeah, well, how many how many times do you think Lovecraft was like laboring some detail? Where you're like, okay, okay. Yeah. Well, I'm sh- I'm sure constantly. <laughs> you have enough paper to leave a crumpled piece of paper in every room you go into. Oh, I, don't I need to hear about. I really yeah. don't need to hear about. And then
1: they didn't even use
0: that to get out. He went into all yes. these about the paper, and then they didn't. <laughs> I spent
1: I spent out. most of the book thinking that there there was going to be some trick with this crumpled paper, right? Um, you right. know that. They clearly had not, you know, read their ancient Greek and knew about marking with chalk or using twine or something. Uh-huh. And little details like that really bugged me. Where the paper that they had referenced no less than five or six times turns out to be completely irrelevant.
0: Turns out to be completely moot. Yeah, I don't know. So, so the you're fact saying it was...
1: They, uh, they, they hadn't completely filled their plane up because they wanted less weight. And then he goes on a half-page discussion about all of the equipment that they were taking with them.
2: So yeah. so you're saying it was kind of a Shoggoth dog story?
1: <laughs> yes, yeah. it was tough. Sledding. Yeah,
2: actually, the thing is a Shagoth dog story.
0: Is it? Yes, it is. Yeah, I guess so. It yeah.
1: starts with the dog. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh,
0: the dog. Yeah, that's right. I learned more about the general mythos than I thought I would in this book. Yeah, like I yeah, said, I was very sur-
1: Two or three chapters were heavy in that.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was very yeah. surprised at how, at how much of a kind of skeleton key to the Cthulhu mythos uh, it is in the back there. I felt like they were getting too much information from Bob reliefs they were really, yeah, yeah, yeah. They were, they were, they were drawing some amazing inferences, or yes.
2: maybe, or maybe you know, their their you know, ancient and uh, representational art skills are just beyond uh, human capacity.
1: Don't forget the cartouches and statuary.
0: Mm-hmm. Yes, no, I, you know that, that was part of it as well. Lots of is is this is this where the Aboleth come from? Is that related? Probably. To- yeah, I've
2: never, I've never consciously thought about that, but you're probably right. Like they're, they're like an ancient
0: aquatic, creepy race that used to rule the world, right? Isn't mm-hmm. that pretty much what the Aboleth are? So
2: yeah, they're very yeah they're 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 certainly inspired, very heavily. You know, if nothing
0: else, it seems like it seems. And like
1: and it. the title itself seems to be something of a misnomer because while these are the mountains of madness, there's another mountain range beyond that. Yeah, it's even bigger. Yeah, that's where the the like the the taint of evil had come from and all of this well
2: those are the clips of insanity.
1: Uh so one of the things that surprised
2: me going into this and this is and this is uh, you know depending on how people want to pursue it might lead us to another uh part of Lovecraft but yeah there is there's a bit near the very end when they're go when they're remarking on the uh you know the rise and fall of the old civilization. And interestingly for you know the the shall we say infamously, I can't think of a word other than racist, Lovecraft uh to say to to describe the, the none, the, none the, of
0: that really came up in this one. I, I, have no, no, the, well, I have I have read other things and it's bad.
2: Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the, yeah. This is definitely one of his less his least racist works, not only because you know there are only white people in it, but right. because the you know he specifically says he poor old ones, scientists to the last. What have they done that we would not have done in their place? God, what intelligence and persistence, what a facing of the incredible, just as those carbon kinsmen and forebears had faced things only a little less incredible. Radiates, vegetables, monstrosities, star spawn, whatever they had been, they were
0: men. I know. I I wrote that line down too. What a crazy So in his world, man just means like sentient being.
1: The thinking animal. Yeah. Yeah. I thought that Well, I don't know about that because they also I I think he gave them I don't even know how to describe it exactly, but he, he found them praiseworthy because they created their environment.
2: They had scientific minds. They mastered the environment. And I guess, and I, guess I, I should also say that they put down slave revolts twice. <laughs> yeah, but I guess,
0: so I was wondering that. So clearly the record is showing the civilization becoming more and more decadent over time. Uh, I, I think using that exact phrase even, yes. Using that exact phrase, right? But I think that what he's saying is the cause of it is that they, they fail to put down the Shoggoth Rebellion finally. And the Shugots are continually putting so much pressure on them that their civilization kind of contracted and was not able to, not able to keep uh, producing culture at the same level that it had been. Like it was well, just kind of more divided.
1: decadent and less technologically advanced as well. Because right. yeah, you yeah, start no. losing technology.
2: Yeah, yeah. Well, and they also have. I think. I think is. Uh, I think it might be like a Roman, like like a Roman Empire barbarians of the gates kind of thing because you mentioned the like mm. you know Cthulhu's boys show up, they fight for a while. Um, you know the the Migos show up, they fight for a while. So I think just you know the, you know I think it's just the kind of inevitable grinding down of their civilization uh, against the galactic barbarians, and then finally the, the you know they can't put down the second slave uprising.
1: So there's the old. Uh screenwriters uh aphorism show don't tell Mm -hmm. this book is the exact diametric opposite of that Mm -hmm. the only reveal is the the fact that the uh the creatures took young gedney and a and a dog
2: and then they also like were willing to um they recognized and used our tools like they're like there's a bit where like the like i like i i think possibly like the neatest bit i think was when they find like the great old one where like where they broke for camp when like you know they you know so like they've been eating like their tinned rations and yes. they've been like and they've been messing with the device and like they spilled some gasoline i think that's what, yeah they fall the small the gasoline they spilled well, to, to the camp where they're messing around with all that stuff
1: yeah i think they were using gasoline for heat and they had also mm-hmm. uh cut all of the uh leathers into curious shapes and whatever <laughs> using that for.
0: Like it, they sound like they're monsters when you're reading about the the lake or lane is it lake 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 yeah and his guys getting killed and then he finally comes to the conclusion he's just like no they just did what we would have done yeah they did exactly what they did yeah they so did, somebody, you know, they, they dissected the bodies done. yeah yeah you know we did they, yeah they they experimented on us and and they attacked us and an interesting conclusion to come to in on reflection I think it's saying a lot more
2: about. Lovecraft's idea of of, of, of uh, ideal society than uh, than anything else
0: or, or lovecraft's idea of what you do when you contact a different civilization yeah, mm, Yes, which is, which is to kill it and experiment on it the, the, the old the, one the protagonist
1: burn. is also admittedly um, kind of gone mad at that point anyway so
0: well so that's something I wanted to talk about
1: do you think see to me it's it
0: seems a bit of a stretch that this would make you just go crazy but that's a big theme in the, all of his writing and, and in the yeah. role playing game and stuff like that it's all about like you know you contact you, you encounter these things and I was thinking about how they said when they first showed people movies with like a train on the screen yeah they mm-hmm. jump up and run out of the theater because they just couldn't handle it and yeah. I was thinking it's not like I've ever seen an elder horror from another planet but I'm very familiar with the idea of things like
2: that. Not just the idea. I think I think I think I forwarded this to you guys a couple of days ago as well like a straight comment I saw someone make online that like just the the omnipresence of special effects movies in the culture like means that you know like it's possible that you know a modern person would just be more inoculated the idea of seeing some horrible creature right. than someone yeah you know, right. from like you know a pre you know Steven Spielberg era. I
0: mean, you know, if I encountered a vampire I'd be much more prepared for that concept than I would be if I didn't grow up in the 20th century and like watched a thousand things about vampires.
2: Similarly, I was watching that, um, some of the new Korean zombie show on Netflix, uh, all of us are dead. Zombie cinema culture is spread to the point where they can make their own, where they get, where they're specifically referencing Train to Busan. Like they're not just referencing Night (laughs) of the Living Dead. They're specifically Korean zombie movies for them to reference. Oh yeah,
0: that's funny.
1: Only the young survive for they are the most jaded of the, Mm
0: -hmm. of the species. Yeah. So I was, this is my uh, my tortured metaphor of the week i was thinking about how the going crazy when you see elder horrors and like knowledge making you go crazy is like a metaphor for like people encountering like the modern age like like the things that science like shows you and they're just like mind mind-blowing things that we're learning about the world and what that does to us psychologically and, then, and
2: and and I think it's fair to say that's a concern of Lovecraft as well. Like, there's um, the uh, I'm thinking of specifically like the 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 story that that, that introduces at Hotep is basically like casts him as like a, an evil Nikola Tesla. He like he's posing as a person putting on these science shows of basically like things man was not meant to know.
1: And there, that's carried forward through other media too. I think a Three Body Problem significantly has. Oh, I haven't uh, read
0: that. I got to read
2: that. Yeah, I've got that it, sitting on my nightstand. Yeah. Not a spoiler. It,
1: it is, by the way, one of the most depressing books you'll ever read. Um, I've read Ian Banks. <laughs> this is worse. I've <laughs> read Ian Banks a little bit. Yeah, this has got nothing on that chair, my friend, let me tell you. But that book starts, I believe, with physicists killing themselves because they have realized that physics is broken. And that's kind of the central mystery that carries forward. Mm-hmm. But I wanted to talk a little bit about uh, books like um, Journey to the Center of the Earth, which mm-hmm. I think... Yep, mm-hmm, is yeah. definitely an inspiration for this, mm-hmm. not only in the meticulous gathering of resources and meeting out of said yeah. resources through your yeah, travel journey, but also because uh, journey was apparently journey was inspired by uh, the narrative of Arthur Gordon Pym of Nantucket. No, oh, yeah, which Back to Poe. The, yep, which was Poe's book.
0: But there's so I got and, confused about this because I was thinking about that journey to the Earth's core or journey, sorry, journey journey to the center of the Earth, which is Vern, right? Yes. But there's also at the Earth's core by Burrows. By Burrows, yeah. And at the Earth's core has a couple of like, um, there's the the creatures that live in the Earth's core have servant creatures called the sagoth. Mm-hmm. And I was <laughs> like, now that's just a ripoff. That's just Lovecraft's just ripping from from Burrows there, right? Like,
1: yeah. I mean, yeah, I he, mean does, I, he does reference Hollow Earth theory in this. Yeah. Yeah, I I hadn't thought about the
2: Shaggyth connection specifically but yes, um, the, I mean the, and that's the um another thing Lovecraft was famed for was like he was to a certain extent he was he was kind of a pioneering like fanfic guy, like fandom guy and then he he was pen pals with a lot of other notable authors like you know Robert E Howard is one of them. And uh, and he, and he would explicitly like name check you know things of theirs and they would return the favor like There, uh, like, are, get,
0: there are similarities in the world building in the way of the world building with Howard, because Howard is like, this is like a geology fantasy. And mm-hmm. Howard is always like a spin on archeology span and history. Mm-hmm. There's a, everything in his world is like, sort of like the real world. There's like names drawn from the real, real world history and things like that, which is kind of interesting. I, I enjoyed those. I like, I, I read the, I read a big anthology of conan around the same time that i got this one i don't know how well lovecraft stacks up as a writer
2: i would honestly say like that he is of mainly historical interest like i've never i like i'm not a huge fan of his pro stylings um no
0: definitely not
2: and uh, and as i've said before like i have gone back and read his influences and i think that like they are all like unambiguously like doing what he does but
0: way better did you guys look up the paintings the nicholas rorick paintings that he's talking yes. about yes
1: i googled I found them to be unimpressive they're very
0: low they're very low quality they're they are they are kind of evocative like there's pictures yeah. of you know, temples on top of himalayan mountains and stuff and i i could see being inspired to write by that but they're not very well done Not a not a great painter not a good drawer and
1: just no I, I, the use of color i think was not yes the best
0: yes. It's, yeah it's um not not the best paintings i've ever seen and yet all these guys know Nicholas Rorick, and they're constantly, hey, doesn't this remind you of Nicholas Rorick? Has anybody ever seen that Nicholas Rorick painting? And I'm like, this is not Van Gogh. I don't know how many people have actually been exposed to this, but.
2: I mean, how many people have been exposed to the Necronomicon, let Look, alone that, like multiple are... geologists? No,
0: it, it is not. It is a. Okay, it, it is. Yeah, it this is, is like a Lovecraft yeah.
2: creation, the Necronomicon. It is, a Lovecraft creation. It is a one hundred percent Lovecraft creation. It's certainly inspired by you know other things. And after Lovecraft, people there have been numerous attempts uh, the to to like produce the quote unquote real Necronomicon. In, in that, like you know, some occultist weirdo or just somebody who wants to make a quick buck will publish a book purporting to be the Necronomicon. But no, it is it is a whole cloth invention. Yeah.
1: After so many, uh, so many. I'm hearing the Necronomicon, I'm just mentally ex- expecting the next sentence to involve oh, the you. mad Arab. Oh, well, yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. 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 Al Al-Ga- Ghazred. Mm-hmm. Yes. He yep. had uh,
1: another one of his weird writing takes. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> what do you guys think of the possibility? Now, he's talking about they might come from another universe. So we could just discount all reality when we're talking about that. But what do you think of the possibility of there ever having been technological civilizations like that far back in the past? So far back that it's before there was life on Earth. Like, I mean, three billion years ago, would there have been enough generations of like stars with heavy metals and things for that to have evolved that far back? Or
1: it seems is- really unlikely because we're a second generation star. You need a supernova to generate any right. heavy metals.
0: Right. So, right. so I kind of think I could I could see maybe hundred million, 200 million years, maybe another planet developing you know, faster by that kind of scale,
1: but not, by you know, scale. I, I kind of take that back because there could be super giant stars that would go supernova very quickly. And so you could have a very old second generation star right now. Like if you look up the cosmos, we're the, we're the
0: third, we're the third generation. We're the population. We're population one of three, the, the, what we have now. And that's, that's where we have everything above iron. And like, there's things in our bodies that couldn't have been created, like minerals that, selenium and things like that that couldn't have existed like and i think
1: the threshold here is how quickly a star can go supernova and we don't really have a good baseline on that so we don't know when the time frame starts
0: yeah i just kind of was thinking it's it almost it it almost is a stretch to think of it because at first i was like oh that'd be interesting a planet could have evolved life well before ours and hadn't but not by that many years not by three billion years i mean that's that's getting to be a little bit of a stretch i was thinking
1: And then if you get into hundreds of millions of years, anything that advanced is going to leave a geological record that we would have found by now.
0: Oh, yeah, I think so. Well, I was yeah, I mean, in general. But I was thinking, uh, I listened to a podcast about this the other day, actually, Stuff to Blow Your Mind. They were talking about if there was an archaeological civilization, like in the Triassic or something, would there be anything left? And I was Hmm. trying to think about it, I was thinking, you, you might find fossils of whatever creature it was that evolved into a techno, but I'm not sure anything like a building could last over that much tectonic change and volcanic activity and whatnot. I don't know if there'd be anything left or maybe you'd find some, re- I don't know. I can't, I can't quite get my head around whether anything would like, if anything from our civilization would still be around 200 million years from now, would there be anything anybody could find to prove that there were ever, there was ever a civilization on earth?
1: I mean, we have artifacts on the moon, so yeah. Yeah, but even, don't you think 200 million years,
0: even even without wind and stuff, don't you think just things like footprints would disappear? It's, I guess maybe the piece... I don't of, think the landers the, would be... The, I guess the stuff life. we left there might still be there, that's true. I read somewhere that this is the first, this is where theories of ancient astronauts all come from. Like your Eric Bundanikin and whatnot. And I was thinking, I really don't know enough to say whether or not that's true. It kind of seems like this would be a very early instance of that, but
2: yeah, I'm trying to think of my history of crack pottery here. Right. You know, uh, Von well, Daniken like, is a 70s guy, yeah, um,
1: Daniken's like in the
0: 70s. It's, it's crackpot because we, we know it's full of it, but it's it, you know, just as an idea on the surface, it's an interesting mm-hmm. idea, right? Like, you know, could could aliens have ever visited the earth in the past? You know, that's that's an interesting idea. I've I, it's I a knew a good fun guy thought
1: there. experiment, yeah. It's a yeah. fun
0: thought experiment. Exactly. I know a guy here who's really into uh Graham Hancock and that kind of stuff. And mm-hmm. just, you know, I, I went through a phase when I was a kid where I was interested in that. I yeah. I got I got Chariots of the Gods out of the school library mm-hmm. in uh maybe in ninth grade or something like that. And I read it all week. I was very excited about it, and I brought it over to my dad's house because he used to go visit my dad on the weekends and I was like, Look at this book, and he was like, Oh, that's a bunch of crap. And I was like, <laughs> Oh and as soon as he said it, I was like, yeah, he's absolutely right. <laughs> It definitely like dashed. It definitely dashed my hopes.
2: Just want to give another shout out to the grotesque penguins. Really, really an underrated aspect of uh, of, of Lovecraft lore. There, really.
1: <laughs> you should probably look up the uh, Guillermo de Toro art books for those. Oh, oh I'm sure there's oh, some good yeah, mutant yeah, penguins. Yeah. There's got to be some good mutant
0: penguins there. That's there's right. got to be some good mutant. There's definitely yeah, because not just not just the regular penguins, but there's also the Morlock penguins. Exactly. And, and
1: spoiler alert for a movie that was never made, but it. The Toro's movie was going to end with uh, Cthulhu himself rising up, and
0: they're hinting at Yog Sothoth <laughs> there. And th- th- but that's mm-hmm. different; that's a different god basically than Cthulhu.
1: But you, yeah, you know, he's a different. For a movie, you got to yeah. bring up the big stars. Yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> exactly. A yeah. stunt casting. So, um, what were your biggest surprises? What was everybody's biggest surprise in reading this?
1: As
2: I said, I wasn't like I knew. I knew going in that this was a novella. But I didn't know that the reason it's so long is because there was so much travelog, uh, like <laughs> logistics
0: stuff. So yes, that's you're right. We didn't discuss why we're drinking what we're drinking. We, as usual, you got cut off, and didn't uh, yeah. so you have yeah. barrel aged out. Why do you have barrel aged stuff?
2: Yeah, to you know, to to honor the barrel like bodies of the great old ones. That was yeah. as close as we could age. come to they're to age. emulating their. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And aged. Yeah, you're right. Bar-
0: yeah, barrel aged, barrel and aged. Yeah, there you go. I have uh, There was not a single, single barrel-aged uh, stout of any kind at the. Um, it's not Whole Foods. Browns oh but it's similar. So I got uh, Sierra spelled
1: with a Z? Yeah. <laughs>
0: no, So I got Sierra Blanca because that means white mountain. Okay.
2: All right. All right. Not, not a bad attempt. Yep. No cherries. No wheat. Just the desolate landscape of the frozen uh, Antarctic. Well, I actually have two biggest surprises for this
1: book. Okay, I know it's a shock because I've been so bad about the biggest. Surprise and Joe, and
0: Joe, and just for the record, Joe's biggest surprise was just how dreary the prose was <laughs> and the listing of equipment and things. I, like that. How I, I, much
1: of a travel log it was. Yes, <laughs> it was yes, yes.
0: All right. So, what was what were your two surprises? Uh,
1: my first one was that uh, Lovecraft was apparently a teetotaler in in favor of prohibition. And we know this oh. because he wrote some letters. Had we known uh, that,
0: we maybe shouldn't have had anything to drink. Maybe we should just have had near beer. or something. <laughs> I thought that oh that would have been pretty,
1: yeah. that would have been pretty
2: <laughs> blasphemous actually maybe that would have been the way to go yeah all right I, uh, that was a surprise
1: to me because the inventor of cosmic horror didn't drink that seems totally counterintuitive. Uh, to
0: yeah that does that seems I had ideas about doing something uh, whatever what every anything from this kind of era so between you know like the Victorian and into the beginning of 20th century I always want to do something like brandy or port or mm. something. Something I can imagine: a bunch of white guys in a smoky room drinking. Like that's like. That's I like
2: mean, those bigger... stories often explicitly have people uh, drinking port and smoking cigars.
1: From from yes,
2: <laughs> yes, indeed. And uh,
1: uh, my second surprise was that uh, this is inspired by the narrative of Arthur Gordon Pym of Nantucket, which went on to inspire a whole bunch of other things. Most prominently, probably Moby Dick. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, I had no idea that? that the whole adventure, specifically seafaring adventure thing, came out of that. The Arthur, Glenn yes, the, the narrative of Gordon Pym of Nantucket. Mm-hmm. So, this is was not my biggest one of the inspirations but... for this, and went, later went on to inspire Moby Dick. Mm-hmm. Well, you know what's apologies to Clint me? in case you want to make that your book at the next week,
0: but Moby Dick, yeah, they like yeah, right, just blast through that one. I, I owe him one, though. He, you know, I'm I'm the only one on the podcast that hasn't chosen some just mammoth cyclopean work to read. <laughs> um, but yeah, I was surprised that that's that's Edgar Allan Poe's only novel. Yes, mm-hmm. was, I thought Very that was strange. a surprising fact. I was like, I, I guess that's right. I mean, mostly they're sort of short stories or like novellas
1: mm-hmm. or you know? love poems to his cousin. <laughs>
0: yeah, well, that could be that. Oh, Eddie. Um, My biggest surprise was just like I said before, just just how much of the mythos is in this and how much I kind of feel like this might be the book you go to to get like a top level down of his entire ideas. You get sort of a the kernel of all the different ones in this. There's a there's a hint at everything mentions a bunch of the same source material he does. But I found it really. Actually, probably the most surprising thing was how accurate the geology was. I was impressed with that, although although they did spend a lot of time cutting open stalactites to get uh, fossils, which is <laughs> not how that works. Stalactites <laughs> do not have fossils in them. Yeah, that that was that was my biggest surprise there. I think we're at the time where we have to talk about this. What are we doing with this? What are we doing? Are we raising these glasses? Who wants to Who wants uh, to go first? As, for, as, for as
1: interesting them? as this book is, uh, I don't think I consider it a classic either of literature or specifically of cosmic horror it's just a little bit too dreary uh it's not arranged in a way that makes it exciting or more readable and
0: no i know in fact it's arranged in a way as to decrease the excitement as as, as little excitement as there could possibly be is how this is structured so
2: yeah this book is certainly of historical interest just because lovecraft is so influential but i can't recommend it on any other level with that Okay. It is certainly not it is certainly not the most it is it is not the worst the it pros it is not the, the worst pros or ideas Lovecraft has ever set down, but that's not a recommendation either.
0: Yeah, I um we we have included things, you know, like to some extent, it's there's a there's a broader philosophical discussion of what do we mean by classic, obviously, mm-hmm.
2: right? Yeah, yeah. Which have
0: been sort of slowly coming to more of an idea by doing this show. Mm-hmm. And one of those potential things is just if you're going to talk about the development of a certain type of book or movie or whatever there's certain works that just have to be included and sometimes that just you know like we voted for bill and i voted for desert solitaire and neither of us particularly liked it all that much but it's just part of conservation literature it kind of has to be there if it wasn't yeah. if it wasn't there if you know and i'm kind of leaning i i'm i'm with you guys the prose in this is bad um the writing mm-hmm. structure is bad there's it's yeah. dreary, it's long, it's short, but it's still longer than it needs to be.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I'm not particularly well-versed in the whole Lovecraft oh, mythos. Yeah. Are there better versions of his work than this one?
0: Yeah, some of his stories are better. I, 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 I think I like the Shadow... Of, what is it? The shadow of oh, Rian Smith. I think I, I like that
2: one better. There was a if, noth- of- if nothing else, everything else is shorter
0: yeah everything else <laughs> is would help a lot that's well that's you know that sounds facetious but it's true yeah. like yeah. you don't you don't need to say what you don't need to say mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right, exactly. like, yeah. so you know,
1: this I, my view know, on it is kind of like similar to the whole fast and furious thing where i don't think the first one is a classic i'm yeah. sure they got the formula better because they didn't buy nine more movies a couple yeah. of those have probably got to be pretty good
2: I don't. Uh, my my feelings are. I don't deny that Lovecraft is influential, but again, like having you know got you know retraced his steps and like read the people he was reading. I really can't help but feel that he is just that that he is just standing on the shoulders of giants. I generally do feel that like if Lovecraft that that if Lovecraft uh, hadn't had the connections to other writers, that ultimately. Um, kept his work alive that you know one of his other influences might have might have taken his place like like if nothing else like poe poe does a lot of what lovecraft
0: does what what you're saying there is like i i came into this expecting to sort of go ahead and toast it as an older thing the Mm -hmm. ideas are great an elder thing a great old a great old one great old one yeah yeah but but what you're saying is exactly what i came across as i was doing some of the background research i was like oh wait this wasn't his first idea. he wasn't the first one to have this idea he wasn't the first one to have this idea and like you said the guys who did it first kind of did it better now i think it does come together into something that is not like a copy of other things i think it's mm-hmm. kind of its own thing it's not exactly like the things that he's drawing from yeah
2: and yeah there, there's something to be said for you know you know um a work of synthesis as opposed to work of creation like you well, know i, I think you sometimes you
0: know, i think that's what star wars is i think star wars is like a work of synthesis it's a mm-hmm. whole bunch of stuff that oh, Lucas totally saw mm-hmm. and he put it into something but it works better it's it's more entertaining mm-hmm. there's better characterization if you were going to make this as long as it was, you could have cut out a lot of the descriptions of how much paper people were carrying and like, <laughs> and like maybe given some personalities to the people in the story. And I think that would have been a better use of your time.
2: Yeah. Again, just comparing yeah, was- this to like a contemporary of a Dracula. Dracula is also kind of a techno thriller, but yeah, so- but it's also like an epistolary yeah. novel. So like Bram Stoker like writes from different narrative voices, and yes. like has and like has people exchanging dialogue as opposed to like paraphrasing what, what what somebody is saying to the narrator.
0: Yeah, it's just a really weird odd choice for how to mm-hmm. the novel, uh, the novella, and I mm-hmm. think probably it's it's kind of the the fatal flaw. I think the book would have been. Much better done in almost any other way. I think. I think anytime somebody uh, uh, uses a an unnecessary French term such as oev. <laughs> oh, all right, we all that's one. On, that's at least one on me. Then
1: I was Every, really uh, close to doing that when I was talking about the the works of Lovecraft.
0: Yes, mm-hmm. I, I said it once, and immediately I regretted that I had said it, and
1: then <laughs> yeah, I had to like mentally edit it out.
0: Clint said something in a in a recent episode, and I was like, I'm not the only one that uses like, well uh, for lack of a better phrase, douchey phrases from
1: French, <laughs> but you know, like
0: like like it does sometimes. It's the right thing to say, you know. It's 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 hard. It's hard to avoid a certain french term Ouvre is a pretty well, good word. Well this one well, you know th-
2: this lets me bring up a fr- um, uh, something mark twain wrote that was very much on my mind reading this which is uh, you know it is important to use the you know the right word and not
1: you know a, a, a word that is close to it. That's very sam clements. <laughs> or a word
0: or a word that's like five syllables when it's not necessary. I mean mm-hmm. this is the second time i read this story and both times i read it I looked up the word nefandus. I was looking at this and I saw it and I was like, oh God, I have never <laughs> come across the word again in the last 10 years. And I'm yeah. not sure. I was like, I think it means something you shouldn't say. And I looked it up and that was right. But I was like, yeah. And you shouldn't use words. Well, and I also say
2: going, going, you know, bring going back to the the uh, role playing game connection. Uh, you know, like I'm sure we've all we've all learned a lot of exotic di- uh, uh vocabulary from role playing games, or yes. or or at least its derivatives. Like yeah, like like nefandis. Like yeah, like Mages the Ascension has an evil wizards guild called the Nefandi. You know, no. derived from that same there root. Uh, I was also thinking like the word mephitic. Like the first time I came across that word was its
0: derivation. You know, the little d d imps, the mephits. Yep. Yep. So supposedly he got the name Cthulhu from the word Cthonic, which is a word I never would have come across except for things like D and D. Like mm-hmm. I, I thought Cthonic
1: was derived from Cthulhu. Honestly, no, I, know. I, I never yeah, looked no, into I think, it.
0: I think Cthonic. <laughs> I think Cthonic is a Greek. Yeah, like Cthon was like yeah. a deity. Isn't that it? makes sense. Yeah. I just
1: yeah. I'm exposing my ignorance for well. Anyway, so let's, let's, let's go
0: ahead. We're 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 well over an hour here. We're a couple minutes over an hour. So what are we doing? What's the final vote? Let's go, Chris. What's your vote?
1: I can't recommend this. I, and I'm sorry, it just it didn't grab me in any way, shape or form. I find it very difficult to get to get through. I did. And, I, uh, all I, right. I just, okay, that's a vote against. Joe, what, are you, what
2: are you doing? Yeah, vote against. Uh, you know, strictly for historical interest. And I would say even on that note, you would be better served like reading what Lovecraft is reading rather than reading what Lovecraft was writing.
0: I think that's probably true. I, I do. I, love I do like the idea of finding an ancient alien civilization in Antarctica. That's mm-hmm. a that's a
2: cool idea. Um, yeah. The second. Yeah. The second. The second half is definitely the better half. You can. T- yeah, you can definitely tell that that was
0: the part he was excited to write.
1: Oh crap! Alien no, versus Predator sure. totally ripped this off, didn't it?
0: I'm not yeah, sure. I'm I'm not sure he was more excited about writing about the interesting part. I think he liked making <laughs> lists of all the things an Antarctic expedition would take talk, with. Them. I, I think about he really, really real. wanted to let the world know how many yeah. sheets of paper you need mm-hmm. to walk through. It. Yeah, no, you totally. It was,
1: yeah. it's it not like, even it sheets needs. of paper either. It's shredded paper. They made they they specifically shredded the paper, and it, it just drives me crazy because just previous to that there was a whole windstorm that. Anyway, I'm I kidding.
2: love I love that that is the detail in the story that is threatens your sanity. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Maybe That's he knew funny. what he was doing.
2: Maybe yeah. he gotcha.
1: <laughs> Old Phil you know,
0: gotcha after all. Do you remember do you remember when we were kids and you play D D and they, they had encumbrance rules? And mm-hmm. it was like you had to worry about how much stuff you were carrying and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Today
1: almost everyone I remember specifically not paying attention to that. Yeah. <laughs> well, yep. right. But I think there was a
0: certain kind of player that that was part of the fun for them was like the accounting like trying to figure out you know how many coins they could carry and things like that. Yeah. There's definitely a conversation to be had about
2: like it, the way rules shape play and like the degree to like what like the, the history of Dungeons and Dragons has left has left certain rules as like essentially an appendix in the you know the in the bio sense rather than the literary sense and that it's an organ that served a purpose but we no longer know what that purpose is.
0: Right.
1: I, well I, I feel guess like my... the most broken character you could make in a Lovecraft game would be the logistician. <laughs> yeah.
0: Your your superpower is ability to carry more sheets of paper than other people. <laughs>
1: <laughs> You're able to think forward on situations and have the supply lines fed up to, yeah. to actively support your missions.
2: I think in Call of Cthulhu, the actual power build is to increase your credit rating skill because then you can buy more things like people to go like 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 people to go fight the monsters instead of you.
0: All right. So my vote is my vote has been made moot by you guys. Mm-hmm. You've already you've already out, but um I think I'd be a little bit more on the fence but at the end of the day the the writing is so woolly that I think I'm going with not not toasting. So I think we're not mm-hmm. toasting. We're not toasting at the Mountains of Madness. Are we making a reservation? Are we toasting uh, Lovecraft in general at all or
2: I certainly could not toast Lovecraft as a man, but we're
0: we're we're already over time. Not as a man, not as a man, as a writer, as a writer. I'm sure
1: he has other works that are interesting. I would not be. A, I would not object to looking into those in the future. But
2: I mean, without Lovecraft, we would not have Castle Freak. So who can say? Who can say?
1: Or Lovecraft Country, for that matter.
2: Go now ahead. there's a conversation to have. I haven't seen that. Actually.
1: <laughs> yeah. is that good? Is that worth watching? Oh my god, it's great!
2: <laughs> it's pretty good. I keep meaning to read the the uh, the novel. I like uh, I like a lot of Matt Ruff, but I haven't read that one yet.
1: I think I think the show itself is just epically
2: good yeah and of course lovecraft again yeah, of course lovecraft country is one of like a a uh, a small but like distinct genre of people explicitly like engaging with you know engaging with and like rewriting lovecraft um,
0: yes very much, much so yeah i could definitely rewrite at the mountains of madness into a better story mm-hmm. it's a cool it's, idea it's, it's not cool even idea.
1: hard Yeah. no oh, no yeah.
0: <laughs> It, it, you really have to try to execute it this poorly. Honestly, we can even kind of cross the
2: streams here. Uh, I think it's um, uh, I think it's Peter Watts. Uh, but yeah, he like we he has a rewrite of the thing from the things perspective called the things, which is like a really amazing work, and it's it, it is itself a short story. So that's
1: uh, I've thing heard of, very good things thing about the terror as well. About what the,
2: the terror? Oh yeah, yeah. I've heard good things about the terror. But yeah, yeah I've, I've, I've heard, heard that's
0: that good. I haven't seen that. But that's supposed to be a really good show. Uh, speaking of crossing the streams, does it make you reevaluate Lovecraft to think how much of an influence on Ghostbusters he was?
2: I don't know what you're talking about. It was, you know, it, it's Tobin's spirit guide, not, uh, you know, Abdul Alhazred's.
1: <laughs> I've seen the most recent Ghostbusters movie, which has already lowered my estimation of the Ghostbusters franchise sufficiently that that wouldn't be a problem.
0: Which one? You're talking about Ghostbusters Afterlife? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That was better than the last one, um, which I haven't seen.
1: But I, I, it, it just. It, it was very similar to the first of the Star Wars sequels yes. in that it yes. was a joyless reboot.
0: Yeah. Well, I don't think it was joyless, but yes, it was. A, it was. A, I, it, was I, a, I,
1: un,
0: it was an. It was an unthoughtful reboot. Let's just say. I, I just, feel like.
2: I feel like in hindsight, the a lot of the magic of the first Ghostbusters came from like, the the synthesis of Dan Aykroyd, who was a total believer in all this stuff, and Harold Ramis, who is, who, who who just wanted to take a piss on it.
0: Yeah, I think that's true. Well, anyway, I think we're going. We're going over here. We're not voting this. We're not voting on this. Lovecraft does not survive the Toast in the Classics Gauntlet. Another
2: civilization vanish into history. That's right. Well, this particular Tickily! work of Lovecraft.
0: <laughs> what is it? Tiki t or whatever. Tiki God. All
2: right. Yeah, the 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 infamous cry of the penguin. What 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 sound
0: does a penguin make? They just kind of have like a duck, like a kind of ducky yeah. goosey sound. They just kind of go like, <laughs> you, know? you know, you know.
1: except heard... there's never just one of them. So it's always like this nice chorus. chorus of that. Right. Right.
0: All right. I'm going to have to edit all of this. Um,
1: <laughs> yes, I'm sure. So, uh, it, will, it will drive uh, you, toasting you mad. The classics.
0: Surely. Toasting the classics, this is Dave MacArthur.
1: This is Joe Iglesias. Thank you for joining. This is Chris Gregg. And uh,
0: thanks for coming in, guys. It's fun to do the guest spot. Uh, I'm glad we got to talk about this. What uh, Do you have any ideas for what we might like to do next? I think we should do a movie because it's less research. <laughs> I like movies already. So Justin the Classics is out. We'll see you next time. Peace out. Salud. Goodbye. That's it for episode 49 of Toasting the Classics. For those playing along at home, get some gin and tonic for our discussion of the amazingly controversial works of Dr. Seuss. If you'd like to get in touch, please send us an email at toastingtheclassics at gmail.com. Send us show ideas, comments, complaints, and let us know whether you'd like to keep track of encumbrance in your D&D campaigns. There must be some of you out there. Check out my blog at theattractivenuisance.com and follow us on Twitter at at AttractiveNuisance. Our music was written by Michelle MacArthur. See you next time on Toasting the Classics.